Asshole Cord is a bi-weekly podcast in which a group of lifelong friends choose a controversial public figure and examine their history through available public records and various publications to determine if that person is as much of an asshole as the general public suspects. We rate the subjects on a not-so-scientific scale, ranging from Mr. Rogers to Hitler, 1 to 11, and average out the three scores in the end for our final number. Just a reminder, our judgment has no legal weight, is strictly an opinion, and is subject to change at any time especially in the case of new evidence. It shouldn't be taken seriously, so just don't. If you're home during the week and want to flip on the TV, you're going to have a variety of options. You can watch people act like an idiot and come on down to try to win things like a new car. You'll have your choice of courtroom shows where people are suing their hairdresser for a bad haircut, Our friends are suing each other over something trivial and has a value of what equates to a monthly household cable bill. Then you have my personal favorites, and I'm just going to say the names. The Jerry Springer Show and The Maury Show. Seeing people jump up and down after they find out they are or are not the father just makes me feel better about my life in general. And then you have your talk show options. There's one where a certain group of women express their views on a daily basis and multiple other shows where doctors have guests on to try and give them advice as to how to get their shit together. There's one show that's been on the air for almost two decades now and seems to have risen to the top of the list for yoga pant wearing, Pinterest loving women all over the country, The Ellen DeGeneres Show. The host and subject of our show today, Ellen DeGeneres, has become one of the most successful women in television with her witty humor and general feel-good, happy-go-lucky topics. Recently, Ellen and her show have run into some hot water. Is Ellen really the be-kind spokesperson she claims to be? Or is there another side of the talk show mogul that would paint a different picture? Are you really not allowed to look her in the eye if you see her backstage? Is Ellen truly just kind of a bitch, or are people just getting butthurt over everything that's said these days? In this episode of AHC Podcast, we'll talk about the life and times of the sassy, short-haired host and see if the shoe that's been brought up from the back of the store really fits. Kick back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Asshole Court. All right, in this episode, we have summoned Ellen DeGeneres to our courtroom. So uh, let's go ahead and get some pre-show scores going. I uh, will start here. I don't... I remember Ellen back in the 90s when I was a teenager and she set the world on fire by coming out as gay. And that was a big fucking deal back in the day. It was huge. If you weren't alive back then, like being gay in the 90s was about as cool as hemorrhoids, to be honest. Like it wasn't like it is now... And I remember it just being a huge deal. That's the only time I really remember paying attention to it. She sort of snuck up under the radar for me, but obviously she's like a huge TV star. She's like the new Oprah now, but I never watched the show. I don't know anything about her. I have heard or read some of the headlines here over the past couple months. Uh, I'm going to clock her in at a 4.5 because I don't know anything about her. So there you go. All right. All right. 
So I don't know a lot about her. I do remember, like Mikey said, back in the 90s when she came out on her show as being, it was like one of the first times anybody came out as gay on TV. And it was like her character and in real life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was huge when that happened. And I remember that moment. But, you know, I was also a kid at the time, you know, or teenager at the time. So, you know. I was much more concerned with high school at the time. And then also, uh, she kind of flew under the radar for me, but she was making big waves back in the early 2000s and on. I have seen news articles about her throughout the years, but it's always been nothing but positive. To me, she seems like this ray of light. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I can really get behind everything just on the surface with everything that's been said about her. Mm -hmm. I think that she's a comedian for starters. Mm -hmm. All right. And I think that the majority of comedians find humor in dark places so for her to have to be on all the time and just be this positive light i don't think that that's fair to her Mm -hmm. but that is kind of the persona that she's been built out to be yeah so i don't think that anything that's happened really makes her an asshole in my eyes i think Mm -hmm. that maybe sometimes she shows her true self but you know does that really make her an asshole and i don't think it does in this book and i think with all the good that she's done my initial asshole score for Ellen DeGeneres is actually going to be way low. I think it's the lowest I've ever given anybody. I'm going with a 2.0. So she's better than the average person. I think she's way better than the average okay. person, and it is going to be up to you guys to convince me otherwise. Well, I'm out of the running here because I just said I don't know shit about her. So. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be up to Randy to uh, convince Maybe you'll me learn otherwise. something today. I have a feeling we might learn something, yeah. but... So yeah, all I really knew about Ellen before doing the research on the show was probably kind of like what you guys said, very successful uh, comedian, talk show, gave away tons of shit and was one of the most popular on the air. She's obviously made like gigantic strides for gay rights. But like most folks, I've read some of the stories about what may be going on behind the scenes. But like you said, buddy, I'm not sure if that reflects her true self. You know what I mean? So short and sweet pre-show, I'm going with a 4.0. Okay, there we go. All right, so with a 4.5 from Mikey, a 4.0 from Randy, and a 2.0 from Buddy, Ellen DeGeneres' initial asshole score is a 3.5. Okay. All right, right. good deal. You guys ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Ellen Lee DeGeneres was born January 26, 1958, in Metairie, Louisiana, to Elizabeth and Elliot DeGeneres. Her mother, Elizabeth, was a speech therapist and father, Elliot, an insurance agent. Ellen has one older brother, Vince. Just a side note, her brother, Vince, was a guitarist and he played keyboard for the band Cowboy Mouth in the 2000s. No way. Nice. You guys remember Cowboy I Mouth? I do. Of course. I actually saw Cowboy Mouth on accident because it was at a festival and uh, not a huge fan of their music, but those dudes put on a good show. <laughs> was really? It, was it yeah. mid-2000s? Because it was 2006 and seven that he was with Cowboy Mouth. Uh, I can't really remember. I don't think so. I think it was earlier than that. But I just remember like they were notorious for putting on great shows. And like I hated the music, but I was like, you know, respect the game. The dude put on a really solid show. Okay. You know. He's actually, I, I believe I read earlier that he was also part of the creation of um Bill character on SNL. The, oh, no. Oh, Bill. little Bill. Uh, that yeah. Bill. Her okay. brother was huh. part of the creation of that All character. Right. Interesting. Yeah, he's also, he worked on the show for a while, Ellen's show as well for a while. Of course mm-hmm. he did. Yep. As a child, the generous spent much of her free time exploring the city. She was quoted as saying, I rode my bike everywhere, all over the campus of Newcomb College, all over Uptown. You know, people can grow up in New Orleans without realizing how unique a city it is. New Orleans is a unique city, 
in the fact that there is no other place I've been to that smells as bad as New Orleans does. The stank is so unreal, man. I'll tell you, it's that, palpable. Oh, it like, is. Oh. And it's very distinct, too, because yeah. occasionally you'll catch a whiff of it, usually when you walk by a dumpster or something like that. But I, I think it's a mix of like urine, melted hurricanes, vomit, piss, and uh, maybe some confederacy in there. Maybe some Cajun seasoning. <laughs> right. But it, I, I mean, I back in the late 90s, early 2000s, I went to New Orleans maybe five or six times. I went to Mardi Gras twice, which is, I went with you one time. That's right. That was one time too many. Yes. Um, <laughs> and the thing was, is that if you had, if you wore pants, you basically threw them away when you left because the black sludge that got on the cuffs yep. of your pants would never come out. And back then, I was uh, wearing raver pants back then. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. like, those things just attracted sludge, <laughs> let alone in New Orleans. Like, I think I had to set them on fire. It's a weird, weird city, man. Food is great. I could never imagine living there, but it's worth a visit. Oh, there's tons of culture and history, yeah. but it is just a wet fart smell. Yeah, yeah. Kind of tons of dicks and boobs, too. I mean, I saw a guy with his dick out for about 45 minutes one time just on Bourbon Street. We passed by. He was standing on the corner. It's Mardi Gras. Pants to his knees, huge uh, whalebone hurricane in his hand. Not his whalebone, <laughs> but and then I came back like forty five minutes later, and he hadn't even moved, and his dick was just hanging out. He was very proud of it, and uh, I guess he probably could have been. It was a pretty solid dick. <laughs> You know, there's a guy in downtown Atlanta that does the same thing. Yeah, it's uh, Ponce de Lidong. Yes, Ponce de Lidong. He yeah. sits there on the corner of Ponce and uh, he wears uh, bicycle. He wears bicycle shorts. And has a monster schlong. I haven't seen him in years, but he's still out and about. Is he okay? And yeah, but he yeah, he wears like you guys speedos. can actually Google Ponce de Lidong. And uh, I mean, of course, he wears bicycle shorts. I would too, right? <laughs> Don't do it on your work computer, though. No, Just a heads no. up there. When DeGeneres was 13 years old, her parents divorced. I'm not going to get too deep, but this is just me or do a lot of people's parents get divorced right around the time they're 13, 14, 15 years old? Happened to me. 13. A couple of our other buddies. Ruined my Right life. around that time. Thanks, mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> that's when we brought Mikey into our family. That's yeah, right. Yeah. That's exactly right. I got to actually. choose my family at that point. <laughs> it was like a pick and choose novel. It was, yeah. Choose your own adventure. adventure. <laughs> he said, he said <laughs> turn to page 146 if you want to graduate high school and go to college. Turn to page 140 if you want to go to jail multiple times. <laughs> Ooh. I wonder 140. 140. It sounds pretty fun. That sounds more exciting. Yeah. I can tell stories about that. Not too long after the divorce, Ellen's mother married Roy Grussendorf, and she moved with her mother and Roy to Atlanta, Texas. Oh, yeah. oh man. Her brother stayed with her father in Louisiana. It was during this time that Ellen realized that her comedy could bring joy to others. Her mother was experiencing a bout of depression after the divorce, and Ellen would use her wittiness to cheer her mother up. She's quoted as saying, my mother was going through some really rough times, and I could see when she was really getting down, and I would start to make fun of her dancing. Then she'd start to laugh, and I'd make fun of her laughing. And then she'd laugh so hard she'd start to cry, and then I'd make fun of that. So it would totally bring her from where I'd seen her start going into depression to all the way out of it. Mom, you can't dance for shit. Also, Dad was fucking the neighbor. <laughs> and your laugh sucks. <laughs> he was boning her the whole time. He didn't even have a clue. Unfortunately, Ellen also experienced some traumatic events during this time as well. The comedian said that her stepfather used her mother's breast cancer diagnosis as an excuse to molest her. Jesus. Jesus. He told me that when she was out of town that he'd felt a lump in her breast and needed to feel my breast because he didn't want to upset her, but he needed to feel mine, she said in an interview with Entertainment Tonight. 
He convinced me that he needs to feel my breasts, and then he tries to do it again and another time and then another time. DeGeneres said that her mother did not believe her when she first told her about the alleged abuse. After, that happens yeah. way too much, man. I hate that. Yeah, it, it happens a lot. You hear about it, and you're just like, if my kid ever came to me and said his stepmom or whatever was doing some shit, I'm taking my kid's word first, man. Yeah, of course, every time. Right. You know what I mean? She didn't believe me, and then she stayed with him for 18 more years and finally left him because he changed his story so many times. After DeGeneres graduated from high school in 1976, she moved back to New Orleans to attend the University of New Orleans, where she planned to major in communication studies. After one semester, she decided that college wasn't for her at the time, and she quit and began a string of jobs that would actually become the basis for a lot of her comedy act. You know, after one semester, I decided that college also wasn't for me. Hey, you know, it's not for but, everybody. Uh, yeah, I didn't follow that same path as Ellen, You're not a multi-millionaire talk show mogul? No, I'm not worth $330 million. Just a, a podcast worth, mogul, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> hey, guys, I really need y'all to pick it up out there. All right? 330 bucks is what we're shooting for right now. We will put anybody's ad on for 330 bucks. <laughs> yeah. All right. Her early jobs included working at JCPenney, being a waitress at TGI Fridays, a house painter, a hostess, and a bartender. There was also another job Ellen had during this time that might have shown a little bit of light on what has brought Ellen into the news recently. On August 6, 2020, a man named Ben Gravelet spoke of DeGeneres being his childhood bully. Gravelet said that back in the 70s, when he was 11 years old, the then 20-year-old DeGeneres worked as an employee for his mother's recruitment agency and bullied him relentlessly. Wait, he was 11 and she was 20? Yeah. Yes, according to the story. Yep. One of the things DeGeneres would do and say, Gravelet said, she would criticize my weight. I would try and do homework in the office and she'd call me stupid. She'd call me fat. She would criticize my clothes. I was just a boy and this was a grown woman who took pleasure in seeing me become visibly upset. I don't think there's any excuse for it. I was a defenseless kid. What could I have told her back? One incident stands out in my mind. I was sitting beside her in a desk. I was drawing, and she criticized the drawings. She said, I guess that would look nice if you could draw. (laughs) God damn, man. He spoke of fearing going to his mother's work because there would be a chance that a generous would be there. I would dread going to my mom's office to see her after school or on a day if I was sick and Ellen was there. Speaking of his opinion on DeGeneres, he said, She was just the meanest, nastiest, most horrible person. As I watched her meteoric rise to fame, people would say how great she was, and all I could think was she must be an incredible actor because she was one of the most vile people I've ever met in my life. Mm -hmm. Who takes pleasure in giving another child pain? Gravelet's mother and DeGeneres' alleged former employer, Tana Robinson, also spoke about DeGeneres, saying she was extremely rude and that she hadn't learned about her son's bullying until a few weeks ago. Robinson concluded by saying, I think I probably fired her. Had I known that was going on, I would have punched her and then fired her. A horrible person does that to an 11-year-old boy. I can't even put myself in the shoes of someone at that age that dislikes children so much or whose ego is so low that she has to smash a child to feel good about herself. A bully is a good word for it. She never tried to bully me because she knew she couldn't, so she bullied him with me not knowing it. I mean, I hear you, girl. That part of the story made me laugh, so if you think about it, this lady is probably 70 years old now, mm. talking shit about punching Ellen in the face. Pretty solid, yeah. yeah. I'll bet she doesn't even remember Ellen being her employee at this point. You know what I mean? And, Maybe not. And what I also don't find credible about this story is that this guy just came out now. 
and what did we say this was from August sixth, yeah, twenty twenty this year, yeah. It's possible, but also he didn't maybe have a platform. No one was fucking listening to the guy back in 05. It Was gonna be like, hey, she made fun of my drawings, and they're like, yeah, right, dude. But now there's a story, and they're like, what were they saying about you? Well, she's like, hey, fat, so your drawing sucks shit. <laughs> yeah. And also, now think about this. Nice shoes, she was, fatty. <laughs> yeah, she was talking about how she cheered her mom up by dogging her ass the entire time. <laughs> okay, now that's a good Pattern correlation. That's the first correlation yeah. that I'll give you on that. I, To me, he didn't even tell his mom about this until now. She's like, I didn't even know about it until a couple weeks ago. Well, but El- you know what, my son, he's the best thing. Why would she ever do that? Ellen's own mom didn't believe her about a booby grab. Yeah, you told right. your mom about the bullying. <laughs> <laughs> DeGeneres knew from an early age that she was gay, but waited until she was 20 years old to tell her family. This was the biggest shock of my life and the last thing I ever expected to hear, her mother Betty later admitted. She was immediately accepting of her daughter's sexuality, but was concerned for DeGeneres' well-being given society's prejudice and negative attitudes. Especially there in New Orleans. In the like, 70s? Yeah. 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 Bro, yeah, that's a tough road to drive there, mm-hmm. man. Around this time, Ellen started performing stand-up comedy at small clubs and coffee houses. By 1981, she was the MC at Clyde's Comedy Club in New Orleans. Her softly spoken goofiness and tendency to self-deprecate for laughs made her a crowd favorite. A year earlier in the summer of 1980, DeGeneres moved out of the New Orleans home she shared with her longtime girlfriend, Kat Perkoff, after an argument. A few nights later, on June 26th, Perkoff tried to make amends with her as they ran into each other at a gig, but DeGeneres ignored her. She said she was trying to get me to come home. I acted like I couldn't hear her because the music was too loud. That night was a pivotal moment in DeGeneres' life because it was the last conversation the pair would have. Traveling home later that evening, the comedian, then 22, passed a wrecked Mercedes on the side of the road. The following morning, she discovered that Perkoff, a 23-year-old poet, was in the car when it crashed and had been killed. I should have gone home with her. I should have stopped. I thought all kinds of things, admitting to feeling a lot of guilt. The event sparked a dramatic shift in her career. While grieving, DeGeneres wrote a comedy monologue about mortality called Phone Call to God. In it, she pretends to be on the phone with God, chatting about the surreal qualities of death. This monologue would go on to propel her to stardom. In 1982, Showtime named DeGeneres the funniest person in America, following a city-to-city search for new comedy talent. Really? Wow, and that's like on the heels of like, wasn't Eddie Murphy Raw? Like Eddie Murphy Raw was like 83 or 84. Yeah. yeah. But so it was that's, like, that's in that, I mean, that's oh, yeah, in the certainly. Richard Pryor days. The, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, a, that's a pretty big accomplishment, certainly. And just kind of throwing it out there, I mean, Ellen versus Eddie Murphy Raw. Like, we're going Eddie Murphy all day. Yeah, all Eddie day. Murphy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but exactly. we're also not in that demographic, you know? We're not gay women. So it's, yeah. I'm also not a black man, but I'm closer to a black man than I am a gay woman. <laughs> What's up, everybody? We're stepping outside the norm with this commercial break with an ask from all of you, our audience. AHC Podcast is made up of three guys who love to entertain, learn, and hopefully take our listeners to a place they can get away from the buzz of everyday life and get a few laughs. What is it we're asking for? We need some help marketing our show. We're looking for someone who can help with our social media presence, collaborations with other podcasts, and just generally help us spread the word of what we like to do. If you work in marketing, production, or hell, are just really good at this kind of stuff in general, contact us through any of our social media platforms at AHC Podcast or through our email at a55holcourt 
at gmail.com. And just to throw this out there, you won't be volunteering your time. We'll pay you. Hit us up. We'd love to see what you can do. We want to share our show with as many people as possible. Thanks in advance for your help. And now, back to this episode of Asshole Court. In 1986, DeGeneres made history in her first ever appearance on The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson. So if that tells you... uh Anybody out there listening, there was a dude named Johnny Carson that had Legend. The Tonight Show well before Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, and, uh, or Jay Leno or Conan O'Brien. Yeah. He really started the late night game pretty much. I he can't say it. he started it, but he was the king of it for like three decades. Yeah, yeah 30 years he held the Carson title. was a boss. Yep. Yeah. Most comedians who appeared on The Tonight Show performed their stand-up routine and then returned backstage, never being invited to sit on the couch and have an on-camera chat with Carson. The invitation to sit down with Carson paid tribute to the comedian's talent and stature. A female comedian had never been asked to sit on the couch after a first-time performance on the show. Got a really big show. (laughs) (laughs) That night, DeGeneres debuted on The Tonight Show, and Carson brought her over to the couch, show that Ellen had arrived. Mm -hmm. I bet. So we're not going to run through Ellen's TV career in full, but there are a few turning points that made Ellen who she is today. DeGeneres' comedy career became the basis of the sitcom Ellen, was once called These Friends of Mine during its first season. Do you guys remember? I remember the show. I remember watching it. My mom watched it, and, uh, you know, it was a 90s sitcom that's not memorable at all, really. Other than than her coming out. That was it. If if she hadn't come out, you'd be talking about it with, like, I don't know. Night Court. And Night Court was I mean, man Richard Mall. Yeah, I like, that like show. who talks about Night Court these days. Yeah, so. I'm thinking of like a really generic sitcom from that time, like Step Charles by in Step, charge. something like that. Yeah, Full House. Maybe not even that not big. even not no, as big no, as no, Full House. Nah. The ABC show was popular in its first few seasons, due in part to DeGeneres' style of observational humor, and it was often referred to as a female Seinfeld. Time out. How do you feel about that oh, comment? I'm about to dive right into okay. it. <laughs> they definitely need to slow their roll on that comment. You guys know I am a massive Seinfeld fan, so any kind of comparison where a show that was on the air for a couple seasons versus probably the greatest sitcom of all time, I got to throw a flag on that one. Yeah, yeah. I think the comparison comes from the sort of... Hey, she's, have, you, she, seen, she, yeah, have she's, you heard about this? Yeah. She's closer to, to Jerry Seinfeld himself, but not the show Seinfeld. The genius no. of the show Seinfeld really is Larry David. Of course. And so Jerry Seinfeld's comedy and her comedy are very similar where they talk about... I remember watching one of her stand-up comedy sets where she was talking about the grill marks on the airplane food and how weird that is. Like yep. They have a little grill and you're like, it's stuff that we make fun of nowadays. We are like, that's some sticky fucking lazy-ass comedy from back in the day, but it's certainly not... It's not, dude, Seinfeld's incredible. But the show is, Jerry Seinfeld can suck my ass. Even just speaking about the airline, she had a 2018 comedy special. Mm -hmm. And in that bit, she talked about, she was like, I hate it. Like, you're flying these days. She's still doing that joke, huh? No, you go onto the airplane and it's like Noah's Ark when you get on there. Everybody has these support pets, therapy pets that Mm -hmm. they've got to fly with. And like one guy has a chipmunk and this other guy's got a mongoose, you know? And, you know, you get back to 10B and this lady's got a donkey. And then she was like, well, I don't know. 10B, do Rose even go that far back in the yeah. airlines? You know, she hasn't flown public in, in years. But on top of that, I mean, I, I fly every week now and I have yet to see a chipmunk or a donkey. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, uh, I did see a dog the other day, but that was it. But I, yeah, I don't know what the fuck she's talking about. <laughs> I saw a dog at the airport once. It came and sat by me. 
<laughs> Six hours later, I got to go free from the from the airport. But yeah, that sucked. I mean, I see like dogs on airplanes, but they're just <laughs> ugly ass hoes. <laughs> no, but I got the canine that came and sat by me one time. Oh yeah, that type of dog. I tried to smile at the cop and walk away, and he was like, hey, "Come here, real quick, sir." Oh man, yeah. Ellen reached its height of popularity in April 1997 when DeGeneres came out as a lesbian on The Oprah Winfrey Show. Her character on the sitcom also came out of the closet to her therapist, played by Oprah Winfrey. Okay. The coming out episode titled The Puppy Episode was one of the highest rated episodes of the show. The series returned for a fifth season, but experienced falling ratings due to ABC cutting back on promotion. They were like waiting for a scissor sesh that never occurred. (laughs) (laughs) It was believed that the Walt Disney Company, ABC's parent owner, had become uncomfortable with the subject matter depicted on the show and how DeGeneres' character was now openly gay. An ABC affiliate station in Birmingham, Alabama, refused to show the episode. What? And DeGeneres' co-stars even endured threats to their lives for starring alongside her. Yeah, at the time when it happened, ABC put a parental advisory warning on the show and canceled it the next season. Yeah, that's exactly right. I don't right. understand. I mean, I honestly thought that the bastion of progressive values, Birmingham, Alabama, would be A-OK. <laughs> with that. I yeah. mean, if it was Nick Saban kissing another dude, they'd be all right with it. <laughs> if it was Nick Saban... <laughs> don't you speak of Coach Saban like that. God dude, damn it. Imagine if it was Nick Saban and Bear Bryant in a fucking deep pounding session. 69 dick sucking yeah. session. <laughs> Bear Bryant's a power bottom. <laughs> We're going to get fucking death threats from Alabama now. <laughs> he said, just get, hold on to my houndstooth hat and just fucking pound it, Nick. Yeah, a total shocker that an Alabama TV station wouldn't air a show with a gay person on it. Televangelist Jerry Falwell, who may wind up in our courtroom one day himself, mm-hmm. called mm-hmm. the generous the Ellen Degenerate in a response Ooh. to the episode. When How Gen- witty. Yeah. With DeGeneres responding in a time interview, really, he called me that? Ellen DeGenerate, huh? I've been getting that since the fourth grade. I guess I'm happy I could give him some work. In May of 1998, the show was canceled. Man, the best insult I ever heard about Jerry Falwell was Christopher Hitchens. He said, Jerry Falwell is so full of shit, if you gave him an enema, you could bury him in a matchbox. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I heard basically what the parent company was telling her at the time that when she came out that following season, her straight audience left her, and she received wounding criticism from gay viewers for not being political enough. Elton John's comment that she should stop talking about her sexuality and be funny Elton still had some, stings. Elton had some beef with Ellen, huh? That's crazy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I bet they're cool now. They are, but I think what I think Elton John is the equivalent of Michael Jordan saying Republicans buy shoes too. Where he's just like, just make your money, okay? He's right. like, that's what I'm here for. He's like, I'm gay. He's like, I like to fuck men, but the reality is, he's like, I really like money as well. He said, more money means I could fuck more men. <laughs> and you buy more of those goofy sunglasses, yeah. and just glasses in general that he hey, wears. And you're not buying a bunch of cocaine. You yeah, know. he tried to tell George Michael to chill out with the, like the random bathroom sex and drugs, and George Michael was like, I'll do what I want. Nah. He's, like, he's, like, he's like, I like, he said, I like drugs and I like to fuck. I'm going to leave it like that, mate. R.I.P. George Michael. Yeah, who's still standing. He's For dead. God, he died. No, he's dead as fuck. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Elton's still around. Oh, I thought you were saying George Michael's still standing. I was like, no, correction. No. He is dead as fuck. <laughs> no, I actually used an Elton John song. It's true. And, uh, <laughs> it's true. 
That's what the best song ever was their duet, Don't Let Your Sun Go Down on Me. (laughs) 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 Should have been Don't Let Your Underage Sun Go Down on Me. Oh, no, George Michael never got called underage dudes. Let's give him some credit. He just liked dudes. He didn't? I thought that was a big deal. It was just a dude in a bathroom. He just liked to fuck some random dudes. He was going for a stroll, man. In fact, what's great about George Michael is that he even made fun of himself on that show Extras with Ricky Gervais, where Gervais was hanging out in the park. George Michael got mad because he was taking away his scouting area to hook up with dudes <laughs> in the bathroom. George Michael had a great... What are you doing around here? Yeah. <laughs> this, he said, this is my he, area. He said, there's some better dudes over there in that other bathroom. <laughs> He's got a dude that got a great sense of humor about himself. R.I.P. That dude's a boss. Man. After the cancellation of the show, Ellen fell out of the spotlight for a few years. She went back to stand-up comedy and gradually worked her way back. In September 2003, DeGeneres launched a daytime television talk show, The Ellen DeGeneres Show. I can't believe it was that long ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 2003, 17 years ago. 17 years. That's a long time. It was nominated for 11 daytime Emmys in its first season, winning four, including Best Talk Show. The show has won 25 Emmys in its first three seasons on the air. There was no doubt, again, that Ellen was back. With all the accolades earned by the show, it became, and still is, a massive hit on daytime TV. I mean, you look at all of her accolades. I mean, she has the Mark Twain Prize for American Humor, the Presidential Medal of Freedom, and over 32 Emmys. I just don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. There hasn't been, I get, like, her shtick is that she likes to dance, yeah, there has yet to been a thing I've seen where they're like highlights of Ellen just slaying it in the audience. It's just like she's just Oprah, but she looks like a tiny boy elf in the fucking <laughs> suit jacket. And it's like, I like to dance and you get free stuff. I just don't Now, Don't get me wrong. I haven't seen the show that much, but there's nothing that really stands out for me where I'm like, what the fuck is the big deal about the show? Well, you know, she actually started doing a lot of the interactions with the audience and bringing them on to do the games on the show, which actually Jimmy Fallon stole on Uh his show and has actually made it widely popular. See, and I hate Jimmy Fallon, too. Yeah. Well, I'm with you on that. I think he... Don't even get me started on Fallon. Yeah, I don't get get the attraction to either one of them. He reminds me of Tom Cruise. Like, I want to hang out with Jimmy Fallon about as much as I want to hang out with Tom Cruise for nine hours. You know what I mean? Tim Cruise. Yeah, Tim Cruise. Everything that Jimmy Fallon does is like the funniest thing in the world to him. He can't keep a straight face. Even when he was on Saturday Night Live, he could never get through a skit without dying laughing. Yeah, weekend update. Yeah. I'm just like, shut up, dude. And then like Ellen DeGeneres, like I I said, not the demographic, but I've just never understood. How is this chick dropping hundreds of millions of dollars and stuff like that? This goes sort of into my theory that this is just a giant simulation and she's someone playing the game that is bought in and is just like, I'm going to have this huge successful talk show and become a hundred million dollar value or whatever it is she's like the guy in the matrix that wants to get put back in yes like, just make me a, a i don't know a, a famous celebrity yeah that's i think her. they said in 2017 she made 89 million bucks yeah for that year i for that don't year. That's get insane. it i don't understand the attraction i never understood oprah either why did oprah become the big name of talk shows there was a ton of people out there you had jenny jones all that stuff like that i've never understood why oprah got as big as she did I don't understand why Ellen is as big as she is. I guess I'm that out of touch with middle America women. You don't watch a lot of daytime TV talk shows, I don't. Shows, huh? The daytime television mad? is torture in itself, man. It is really, really tough to Fuck watch. That. I love some Maury. I know. I know you do. And Jerry Springer. Are you I mad know. that Ellen's not Ricky Lake? 
or something like that. I, I just don't get it. I honestly don't understand. Like, daytime television is like, I remember like days that you take off of work and you, I'm sitting there and I'm just like, it's nothing but like, uh, these the shows. The price is right. All the right. price is right is great. But there's these shows and People's then every, court, every, Judge Joe every commercial is a settlement lawsuit yep. thing or whatever. And I, I don't know. It's the dregs of society, in my opinion. But have you been hurt in an accident? Mm-hmm. Call me, Paul C. Parker. Yeah. Or do you play video games? Do you want to learn to make video games? <laughs> it's like you can tell who the target demographic huh? is, man. It's just a disaster. So I don't know. With all the accolades earned by the show, it became and still is a massive hit on daytime TV. But as we have now heard from many different people, there were some things going on behind the scenes that paint the be kind spokesperson in a different light. Mm -hmm. But before we get into all the current news, let's touch on a couple other instances that have summoned L dog to our courtroom. Ellen DeGeneres landed in hot water in 2016 for a tweet about the Jamaican runner Usain Bolt, who had appeared on DeGeneres' talk show in 2015 after an image of Bolt smiling as he crossed the finish line went viral during the 2016 Olympics in Rio, DeGeneres photoshopped an image of her riding on Bolt's back, accompanied by the caption, This is how I'm running errands from now on. Backlash arrived swiftly after DeGeneres shared the post with Twitter critics branding the tweet as racist. Honestly, it's I don't think that's racist. I think that's pretty fucking funny. I that's think it's funny. I think the context makes it tough, but I don't. You shouldn't get that upset about it. She's obviously like I said, with the context, you know, she's not making a racist joke. But it's just a part of the culture that we are right now, and that happened in 2016. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets butt hurt about anything. You look yep. at anything. All right, if we really want to get serious, why don't we go and analyze Eddie Murphy's 1983 mm-hmm. Raw session? All oh, right, yeah. you know it what I mean. Like, well, times change, and that's part of it too. You know, what I'm saying, like, like I said, in the 90s, being anti-gay was completely normal and acceptable. Yeah, you could drop the word fag or whatever you wanted to say back then, and it didn't, it didn't even matter. It wasn't a big deal. So, I mean, I get it. In this particular instance, I agree. Like, people maybe got a little oversensitive about this stuff. But at the same time, to sit there and be like, well, why don't we just go back to the like 19th century and just everybody lives in this static sort of society where you can say shit like colored people or darkies. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't do that shit now. Yeah. It's not you can't to call a black person a Negro back in the 60s was completely acceptable. Go downtown Atlanta and say that shit now and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shit, time changes, man. Yeah, but I mean, are we to the point to where like Ellen really can't make a joke about her riding on Usain Bolt's back? To, no, she can make the joke and people have I mean? the right to say that they don't like it either, though. Yeah. Again, just kind of that cancel culture. Everybody's butthurt about everything. It's just very, very sensitive. I'm becoming more of a get off my lawn guy as mm-hmm. I get older and it kind of. It is what it is. I don't. Of course. You know, you just you don't have to agree with everybody. That's yeah. everybody the, has a right. Unfortunately, you have social media now where everybody can speak their opinion on it, and people are in some cases overly sensitive. But at the same time, it's not any different. You can make the statement that you want to make, and there you go. Everybody's got to live with it. And see, and that's what I hate at this point because even Dave Chappelle said it the mm-hmm. best. He was like, "You know why I don't come out and make comedy?" Mm-hmm. Because of you fuckers. And he was talking to the crowd. Uh-huh. He was like, y'all are too butthurt about everything that we do. So, yeah. But at the same time, he drops a new comedy special every year. And the thing that I want to say all the time is I'm, like, I'm a little tired of the comic scene where everybody's like, you can't make these jokes anymore. Yeah, you can. Make the fucking joke and see what happens. You know, if you want to make a joke and see if it's funny, let it happen. Some people will find it funny. Some people won't. I mean, we say shit on this show that people would maybe be upset about yeah we got a pretty uh nasty gram about george washington's butt plug yeah dude <laughs> and i don't i mean i'll stand by that i thought the ivory butt plug was a, a great part of that show and whoever said that they didn't like it i mean fuck off dude but there you go make the joke and just let it ride dude 
it feels like there's a lot of whining going on from the comic culture where they're like, I can't even make the jokes I want to make. Yes, you can. Absolutely you can. I think that they can, but right now we live in a society where it's possible that your career is going to end with that joke. And so com- comedians true. have to kind of look at it from both sides where even just 10 mm-hmm. years ago, 15 years ago, they didn't. Oh, go go watch I mean, some episodes of The Chappelle Show. Oh, yeah. I mean, go watch Jesus Tropic Christ. Thunder. Yeah. You yeah. Know what still, I mean? It like, still gets aired, but what I'm saying is like, so the comics nowadays, if you have a sponsorship from Nike or some shit like that, where it's a big broad range thing, yeah, maybe you shouldn't drop a joke that's potentially right. offensive to sure. people. But if you're just an up-and-coming comic or whatever, just make the fucking joke. If you're Jerry Seinfeld, make the joke. It doesn't matter anyways. You're fucking paid, dude. And don't make your entire comedy set about how you can't make a joke while you stand there and make jokes about not being able to make the fucking joke. It's just exhausting, dude. Just fucking make the joke and shut up. That's all I'm saying. Do you feel any particular way about this? I feel very particular about this because I just don't. <laughs> really, I just. I, it, it, it's just frustrating to me. Well, what about outside comedians, like mm-hmm. just TV shows or just you know, hell, even our podcasts, like. Yeah. There's words and things we won't say on yeah, here. Yeah, certainly. You know, absolutely. Yeah, you and have, why is that? It's because people, afraid of the backlash. Well, and no, we don't even have sponsors. No, no, no. It's know? not even that. It's to be because there's a legitimate sensitivity where I, there's a difference between making a joke that's funny and then a joke that is mean or mean spirited that could cause somebody to be like. <laughs> you, you don't think we go down that road sometimes? We do certainly. And I mean, that's the thing. Is like that. I'm that's, a product of this. Okay. <laughs> we pull it out sometimes, and we realize that maybe the minute you say it, and you edit it out. But uh, we should have some behind the scenes footage yeah. for uh, a special little section of our listeners that aren't afraid to hear the raw version. But we also ha- are we uh, we have the ability to self censor where we're yeah. like, okay, this would be offensive in the moment. It's sort of funny between friends. But, you know, if I was going to sit there and write a set and do 90 minutes in New York, yeah. I wouldn't include it. Nah, nah, you're right. But speaking of which, if any of our viewers out there would like to support us through Patreon and maybe have access to some of this stuff, just let us know. There you go. More you're than happy to share. Mm-hmm. Some of it. Not at all. On May 1st, 2020, DeGeneres' former bodyguard, Tim Meharrick, detailed DeGeneres' behavior towards him in an interview with Fox News. It was very cold and it was very sly and it was actually kind of demeaning in the way that she treats people other than those who are in her inner circle. It's bugged me for years. I see this person come across as being very enlightened and positive and awesome and everybody loves her and is in awe that that's not really the case when you meet her in person. I can absolutely see through interacting with her firsthand that she doesn't care about anybody else as long as she's getting what she wants. On August 7th, 2020, In a television interview with Inside Edition, actress and comedian Chris Farah detailed an incident where she served DeGeneres as a waitress at the West Hollywood restaurant Real Food Daily. She said that her boss had received an email from DeGeneres complaining about Farah's chipped nail polish on her hand, wasn't in her food, and her boss, in an effort to placate DeGeneres, tried to suspend Farah for two weeks without pay. Instead, Farah decided to quit. When the interviewer asked Farah what she would say to DeGeneres, Farah replied, What is happening in your life that you are already busy with the bountiful grace that is happening to your wealth, your influence? Why do you have time to mess with someone who's just serving you? Farah, in response to the celebrities coming out and supported DeGeneres, said, I've seen some of the celebrities who came out and been like, she's never been rude to me. And I'll be like, yeah, you're rich, powerful, and you're a celebrity. That's why she wasn't rude to you. I get it, but you aren't someone working beneath her. Hold on, just to clarify. So she was waiting at Ellen's table. 
and she had chipped nail polish, but the nail polish did not end up in her food. No, no not at all. She okay, just had so you just saw a chipped nail polish, uh-huh. and then she was like, okay. And wrote an email to her boss and complained about it. Uh, Weak sauce. Yeah. 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 She's living in a bubble, bro. Yeah. And this is 100% verified. That's well, what now, she said in an interview. That's what, yeah, she said in an interview, and this is also the time when everybody starts piling on saying like okay this is my experience with her then yeah because there was somebody i think and i don't know if you're going to get into this but during the coronavirus they were like okay i'm going to tweet out my story of ellen you can tweet out your stories of ellen and all of a sudden the floodgates opened and everybody had this similar experience so that individual story may be questionable but where there's smoke there's fire where you're seeing tons of this stuff i would tend to believe that this actually happened so now my question becomes is this Ellen that's actually doing all of this, or are these her people, people her that are doing yeah. that? I mean, I, I doubt that her handlers would be the one to complain about the chip nail polish just for the sake of it. She maybe mentioned to it, and they maybe they type up the email, but I it has to source from her. I would I would assume. Yeah, I don't know. That's kind of where I have the reasonable doubt. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel that what America loves to do is they love to see people rise mm-hmm. and they love to see people fall. And now we're foaming at the mouth just for the next mm-hmm. one to happen. And gosh, people hear wind of it. Maybe Ellen's a bitch. And it's like, yes, and we're going for it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where I feel like we're falling on now. I but do- you got a lot of like pretty detailed yeah. interactions with her where people are just kind of like, well, here's how she treated me. You yeah. Know I mean, her bodyguard, this waitress, uh, Kathy Griffin and her have like yeah. years of beef. Apparently, you know, the she one- pissed Ellen off and Ellen kicked her out of a dressing room at the Emmys or something like that. Yeah. Kathy Griffin also falls into the Tom Cruise category for I me. I would, I cannot stand her. Yeah, I you don't know what I mean. Her. Like, yeah. all right, so let's just fucking level the playing field. Let's mm-hmm. say that we are at that. We're at the Emmys, right? Mm-hmm. We're the big shits there, and then here comes annoying Kathy Griffin. Right. You don't think that one of the three of us, after she says her twelfth joke that fucking sucks, we're going to be like, all right, yeah. well, what else is going on, but, Kathy? Well, it that, came across, she said she was straight up just mean. Yeah. She was mean and, to her. And that's the thing, too, is I was like, if it was just Kathy Griffin, then we wouldn't be doing this show, right, to be honest. I, that's, sure. that's my idea here, is that if it was just Kathy Griffin, be like, oh, she was just mean to me. You're like, well, maybe you guys don't get along. But it's a litany of complaints that all have similar sort of undertones, uh, undertones yeah. to what they are. Okay, and I'm not going to sit here and like try and bash every single one. Now, I do know that there was a 2018 New York Times article that was written, and in the interview, the guy said, I did have to ask her about one point where I asked her about the tabloid rumors featuring anonymous complaints that she isn't always kind to those she works with. Mm-hmm. And she rebutted, and she was like, that bugs me. If someone is saying that, Because it's an outright lie. The first day I said, the one thing I want is everyone here to be happy and proud of their work. And if not, don't work here. No one's going to raise their voice or not be grateful. That's the rule to this day. Mm -hmm. You know, so, but I mean, like even in 2018, they were kind of coming at her like, Mm -hmm. hey, yeah, we've heard these, you know, rumors and stuff like that. So I'm not going to sit here and be like, you know, none of that ever happened. But I have a different theory. We'll expand on that later. All right. Quick, before your boss walks by and you have to minimize your screen, give us a quick follow on Twitter and Instagram and give us a like on Facebook. Your support is much appreciated. And then you have what's been in the news cycle recently with the allegations of mistreatment, potential racism, and a lot of angry employees on The Ellen Show. So, on July 16th, 2020, BuzzFeed News published a report in which previous employees allege there is a toxic work environment behind the scenes of the daytime talk show. One current and 10 former staffers 
spoke anonymously about their experiences on the set, including claims of being penalized for taking medical leave, instances of racial microaggressions, and fear of retribution for raising complaints. In the report, the ex-employees claim that DeGeneres' be-kind attitude is all for show. And that's the second or third time we've heard that same that's thing. Right. That, yeah, sure. Yeah. And there's actually a precedence set for this before because you remember back in the late 90s where Rosie O'Donnell was the quote-unquote queen of nice. And she had her show that was super popular. Mm-hmm. And she was known at that time, everybody was like, she's just the nicest person in the world. Everybody loves her. And sure. her shtick was that she had a huge crush on Tom Cruise. It was a persona that was built up. And then after a while, the foundation starts to crumble and everybody comes out of the woodwork and is like, no, she's a fucking bitch. And this is usually how it happens. You start getting hints and then that sort of emboldens people to be like, you know what? I dealt with the same shit. So this is why I sort of tend to think like, this starts to snowball a little yes, bit. Yes, exactly. Yeah. See, me on the flip side, I'm like, man, she's been on air for 17 years. You're going to piss somebody off over a two-decade You know what I mean? Span. Like, yeah. she is the queen of positivity. So, like, everybody expects to have this yeah. just great time with her. And what if she's having a bad day? Yeah. So, one former staffer recalled racist remarks by coworkers about her hairstyle, claiming a senior-level producer told her and a black employee, oh, wow, you both have box braids. I hope we don't get you too confused. She also claimed a writer joked to her in front of others that they only remembered the names of the white staffers. She told BuzzFeed that she hesitated speaking out on the subject because she feared retribution. After the BuzzFeed report, it was announced that The Ellen Show was under an internal review by Warner Media. Following the news, DeGeneres sent a lengthy memo to staff in which she said she is glad the issues at our show were brought to my attention and that they're taking steps to correct them. On July 30th, a second report from BuzzFeed was published this time revealing that the former employees of the Ellen DeGeneres show have anonymously alleged sexual misconduct and harassment involving top producers on the show. The former employees, who again spoke on the condition of anonymity, leveled allegations about the culture behind the scenes of the show, including against head writer Kevin Lemon and executive producer Ed Glavin. Lehman and another producer have denied the allegations against them in separate statements, and Glavin has yet to publicly address the allegations. In an emotional video conference, DeGeneres told staff that she wasn't perfect, a source who was on the call told People, I'm a multi-layered person, and I try to be the best person I can be, and I try to learn from my mistakes. I'm hearing that some people felt that I wasn't kind or too short with them or too impatient. I apologize to anybody if I've hurt your feelings in any way. Senior producers for Ellen delivered a virtual town hall to staffers recently and reportedly up the benefits package for those who are employed by the program and its parent distributor, Warner Media. Staffers will receive five paid days off to use at their discretion, birthdays off, as well as paid time for doctor's appointments and family matters. Fucking weeks vacation? Yeah. I mean, yeah. but I mean, like, are all these full time employees or these part time employees? I, I'm, I, I mean, I, it sounds great, but over the course of a year, you're going to need more than five days off. Yeah. You know what I mean? I had, and your birthday. 15 at my previous job, and that was not much. Not even close to enough. Right. No. Yeah, right. of course. So Ellen has defended herself by saying she really just needs her space sometimes, and that the allegations about her not wanting people to look her in the eye are just crazy. And that, boys, is Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah, so that's one of the weird things, too, to me, is there are... That's a, a commonality you hear a lot in like Hollywood, is people not being able to look at you or acknowledge you yeah. when you walk in the hallway. That absolutely does happen. I don't know if Ellen does that or not, but I don't understand that. I don't no, understand that. don't look at me bullshit. Yeah, and yeah. I, I, I mean, maybe that's why I could never get hired on one of these places, because if someone was like, hey, uh, don't look at Buddy when he walks in the hallway... 
I'd be like, challenge accepted. (laughs) Now I'm just going to fucking stare at you the entire time. Just be like, especially if you're a guest on her show. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, I get if you're like an extra on a movie or whatever and you're getting starstruck, you're you're going to pitch your ideas to Steven Spielberg on break. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like you're acting with Leonardo DiCaprio and you're so obviously starstruck that they're like, look, dude, just don't interact with you. You're here to do a job. I get that. But if you're just like in a regular setting and you're a staff member, like that's insane to me that you wouldn't be able to make eye contact. That is some fucking crazy hierarchical shit. Like, I'm an alpha dude and you can't even look at me. Look at the ground, fuck face. It's it's insane. It's demeaning as it could possibly be. I don't know that she's doing this. There are a number of people that have said it, but I know it does happen in Hollywood. I do think that might have come from her handlers because it's one of those where, you know, she might have mentioned something like these fucking guys are bugging me in between breaks or whatever the fact. And they kind of are doing whatever they can to kind of make her happy. And they're mm-hmm. telling the staff, sure. don't fucking look at her. Don't yeah. talk to her. Don't look at her. Don't do any of that shit. Yeah, that's kind of where my theory kind of plays in, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that she's actually the very sweet one. And I think that her handlers, her top executive producers and stuff like that, are the ones that are just wildly out of control. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones that are creating a lot of these issues on set. Now, I do hold her responsible for that because you, you often to. see that a lot. It's called in, the Ellen DeGeneres show. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know what yeah. I mean? And, you know, you see this a lot in family run businesses and even in mm-hmm. some corporations and stuff like that, where you have a central figure that is the key, like the mm-hmm. president or the CEO or something like that. And they've got their top people who they love. And they do things that they need them to do, but they're kind of shitty in a way. Like, and those people overlook a lot of these crappy tendencies that they have because they're able to produce results day in and day out. Oh, it happens all the time in the car business. Mm -hmm. You look at a guy that started a dealership, grandpa, dad, something like that, very successful, started the business, does really, really well. And then they bring in their son to run the store. Mm -hmm. And he sucks. He sucks. He's an asshole, kind of makes everybody around him uncomfortable definitely doesn't work as hard so you know do you slam the dealership that dad started or you slam the guy that's the actual asshole yeah you know what i mean it's that similar thing so that's where i do slight her in that sense i think that she at this level you got to take some ownership of the people who are right underneath Mm -hmm. you there was a couple other instances too that i had seen just casually as i was browsing the news over the past month where there was instances on her show which were uncomfortable one of which was with taylor swift where the interview became it was obvious that Taylor Swift didn't want to talk about her personal love life. Right. And mm-hmm. it became like an ongoing joke with Ellen to like sort of kind of hammer at home and needle her on it. And it was obvious that Taylor Swift was getting uncomfortable with it. And then there was the one recently with, I can't remember the actress's name, but it was very uncomfortable for everybody because Ellen said, you had your birthday party and you didn't invite me. Yeah, I remember. And she tried oh, to yeah. make it seem like it was whatever. And that girl, unfortunately, I'm sorry, I don't remember her name, but she was just like, I did invite you. And she was like, yeah, oh, she did. Oh, she was like, yeah, I did invite you. You didn't even call me back. And then she was <laughs> like, oh, well, I was really busy with something else. And I was like, OK, so now I'm like, now there's no excuse for that. There's no handler whispering in her ear like this is just maybe how she interacts. So I heard that there was also an incident with Mariah Carey yep. along the same yeah. record where she was interviewing Mariah and she was like, oh, so you're pregnant. And Mariah was like, don't talk about that. Mm hmm. And then it quickly turned into this thing where, like, they're bringing champagne out to Mm -hmm. Mariah, and she's kind of, like, kind of just caught off guard. Yeah. And so she pretends to drink the champagne, but it was just, like, this whole big ordeal. Yeah. Do you remember what happened? 
No. She had a fucking miscarriage. Oh, She was yeah. pregnant, had a she miscarriage. Was. Yeah, a yeah. couple weeks later. Pretty harsh. Yeah, and, uh, and we've talked about that before on this show, is that in those settings, they have pre-show interviews where they're like this is what we're going to discuss mm -hmm. of course and there's because i mean you know you don't want to get it's caught off scripted. guard right, right. you don't want to get scripted. caught off guard on that and then sure enough she was like i'm sure at some point that she was like we're not going to discuss this and she was like i'm going to do it anyways mm -hmm. whatever so producers uh, see that's where i kind of think in that particular instance the producers were pushing a little bit more because i mean they even said ellen seemed a little bit hesitant uh, yeah uh, you know in that part but then again that's it's her uh, that, show. That falls right onto her. Yeah. She can fire you know that I mean? entire fucking crew, snap of a finger. But man. here's the thing: at the same time, like, the, and this is the same thing that Dave Chappelle talked about. Like, are we going to sit there and scrutinize every single piece of every single mm. show, uh, down to the minutest detail, mm. to try and find problem with it, or do we sit there and give them a little bit of leeway yeah. in the sense that they're like, you know what? What can we do today? This is mm. episode four hundred and twenty-three. Yeah. Yeah, what I mean, she, she did her 2000th episode yeah. a couple years ago. That's I, I, think, I think the big beef for me with Ellen and for what, again, you know, with as little as I really know about the topic, isn't so much about like people scrutinizing and firing off on Twitter and being like, she seems like she's mean. It's the people that she works with. Yeah. And there's a long list of people that she's worked with that are just like, it's a bad situation. And that's, you know, I've worked, if you've ever worked for a shitty boss, then I empathize with those people. And that's where I'm coming yeah. from. I do too. But I look at the amount of people that have come through with complaints versus the amount of people that have worked for her mm -hmm. over the history. And what are we talking about here? Are we talking about like 2%, 1% of the people that are coming forward at this point? How many people has the They actually Ellen said show? a lot of the staff has been with her from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. She has yeah. A, yeah. a number But still, of I mean, that, that staff has to ex have expanded exponentially. Well, oh, and yeah. she also at one point shows like... During the COVID situation, she, from what I understand, again, correct me if I'm wrong, anybody listening, I think she was letting go of union writers at yeah. the time because she didn't want to pay them the wages. It was hiring independents. Exactly. Yeah. Hiring scabs and stuff like that to do the work. And I'm like, you're worth how much money and you don't want to pay your staff writers? Yeah. She got That's, banged pretty hard, too. She tweeted something about, man, I feel like I'm in jail. That's right. And somebody right put a the, picture of her $27 million yeah, palatial yeah. mansion yeah. overlooking a cliff <laughs> your, and was like, yeah, fortune. real fucking jail, huh? Right. Yeah. And your entire fortune is based off these writers. They write your jokes, girl. You don't write. She doesn't write her jokes. She shows up, gets a read through, goes to And then when these people are like, hey, I want to make sure that I have, you know, health insurance and stuff like that. She's like, fuck you. So, I mean, like in that sense, that's really where it digs on me, where I'm like, you know, take care of the people that take care of you. Of course. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Especially your writers. If you're a comedian, your writers write your show. You don't exist without it. Of course. And to sit there and be like, oh, well, you're asking for reasonable living wages and stuff like that. And then to go hire people outside when you have every ability to pay these people. That sucks. Yeah, sure. But how much of that is her and how much of that is the network? It's her show. Yeah, but at the same time, like she was the one that made the decision on that one, from what I read. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah. And that's that the she she chose to bring in other writers yeah. and stuff like that because she didn't want to do it. And then, and this one doesn't bother me too. A lot of people were uh, upset that she was hanging out with George W. Bush, which is one thing. But I will acknowledge that if she is supposed to be this pillar of the gay community. George W. Bush certainly was one that was trying to push through an amendment, a constitutional amendment that there couldn't be gay marriage. Yes. And I'm like, you have to acknowledge that and say, like, OK, you know, he's trying to take away rights from people that are in your corner. You know, I don't think he's a, you know, OK, you get you want to hang out, but at least acknowledge that before you're just like, hey, we're hanging out at the Texas Rangers game. Be like, 
hey, you know, I think what he did was wrong, but on an individual level, we get along. I'm able to put our differences aside. That's the big thing. That's what she said. Yeah, yeah that's and that's what, what I hate about almost society today is that nobody can sit here and put our differences aside. Everybody is like, you know what, Randy, I heard you say that. So, you know what? Fuck you. I'm done with yeah. you. Right. Which when we were growing up back in the in the 80s and 90s, mm-hmm. it was like, hey, man, Uncle Mikey's coming over and he's fucking crazy. But he's coming over. We're going to have a good yeah. time. And that was kind of what she said. She's like, look, he's a nice guy. Yeah. We have a genuine friendship. We yeah. got to put your political shit aside. It's OK to hang out with somebody you don't agree with yeah. on every single time. And, and that's what I'm saying. And, and it's cool. And there's nothing wrong with hanging out with somebody you disagree with and stuff like that. It's just, again, institutionally trying to eliminate the potential to have the same access to rights as you do. And that was his shtick in 04. And you're, it's, it's a little different than being like, hey, we don't we disagree a little bit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it, like I said, that's a minor thing. The big thing for me is like that she's fucking over her riders, it seems like. And. There you go. That's my opinion. All right. right. Let's get some final scores going. All right. So here we go for me. I think that all of this has been blown out of proportion. I personally think that if all this was going on for so long, she's been a TV host for 17 years. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of this would have been front and center way before. And I know we see little news articles here and there. But to me, I think that this is more onto her producers more so than her. But I do fault her for that because Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the times – a lot of these top dogs will keep people in top positions mm-hmm. because they produce results, but those results are often, you know, kind of mm-hmm. sketchy the way that they got there. So I am going to up her asshole score. I initially started her off with a 2.0, mm-hmm. and I'm going to finish her off with a 4.0. Okay. I don't think that keeping people who produce results but aren't great for the team as a whole Mm -hmm. is something that makes you a considerable asshole in my opinion so i'm gonna jump her up two points and my final score for ellen degeneres is gonna be a 4.0 okay yeah and i'll say i see what you're saying with the time frame and stuff like that but remember weinstein got away with shit for like what three decades before he got finally called out on it because everybody felt forced into silence because the immense amount of power he had in the industry so I usually kind of factor that into maybe people were afraid to say the stuff now. And now that it's sort of snowballing, I, you know, like I said, maybe this stuff was going on for two decades and no one said anything until now because now they feel free to speak about it. I'm with you, you know, you know but on that uh, aspect, I mean, we've got somebody who's raping people. Oh, yeah. I'm not making the comparison in terms of the crime itself or whatever, because there's no crime here. I'm just saying that in terms of people not speaking about it for a number of years, it could very well be because they were worried about retribution. No, I agree. Um, I but again, so. yeah, like I said, at the end of the day, what we're talking about is pure conjecture and opinions that people have about how a boss deals with people in the workplace. And so I'll leave her at a 4.5 uh, just because... Again, there's nothing that's hard proof evidence. I do tend to agree that she screwed the writers over, and that's my main beef with her. But that's about it. She didn't kill anybody, so there you go. Yeah. Good. So after learning about what's been said about her and what's gone on in the show, it's definitely not a great look. But at the end of the day, a lot of the accusations are against the executives of the show and not Ellen herself. Is she not as happy and joyful as she seems on the show? Probably. But does that make her a a bad person for showing that she's not a perfect human? I don't think so. The average person is a three to four on our asshole ranking. And honestly, the average person is going to rub some people the wrong way sometimes as well. I'm going to give her just a slight uptick. Uh, My final score for Ellen is a 4.25. All right. All right. With a 4.5 from Mikey, a 4.25 from Randy, and a 4.0 from Buddy, Ellen DeGeneres' final asshole score is a 4.25. 
4.25, huh? Yeah, right. there it is. Yeah. Sounds that's, pretty fitting, actually. Yeah, just a tick I... above the average person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is about right, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I think, think so. Until I get to meet her personally, like I said, we're talking pure conjecture. At this point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Awesome. All right. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed the show. As always, uh, give us a like on all your social media platforms. Tell your friends. Tell your mother. Tell everybody. Give us a shout out. We'll see you guys on the next episode of Asshole, Asshole. Court. Oh yeah, boy. Thank you.